Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Uh, why don't we open up the Word of God? Let's open up the Bible. If you guys have your phones, make sure you're not, you know, close every other window so you're not in Roblox or Instagram or whatever it is, you know. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And um, back in the day, we used to have to just, you know, flip through pages. I personally love having a physical Bible. I encourage you guys, by the way, especially if you're from that, that young generation, I, man, I feel so old when I say that. But, you know, if you uh, are not used to having like books, like actual books, it is such a blessing to have your Bible. I encourage you guys to learn to love that book. I, I've lost like 15 iPads. That's not an exaggeration. I lose them. I break them. This one I broke last week. Um, I learned how to change screens. People come to pastor, can you change my screen? I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess. I'll bless you like that. You know, but uh, listen, I have not lost my Bible. I love my Bible. I take care of that thing. It's, you know what, I one time read that a Bible that is falling apart is a sign of a life that is not. A Bible that is falling apart is a sign of a life that is not. Use your sword. Is that cool? All right, let's go. Um, 1 Kings 17, 1. I'm going to tell you the context of this story. Uh, 1 Kings 17, yeah, 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And... Um, this story is one of the most incredible, beautiful, powerful stories in the Bible. And uh, the context of it is a drought, three-year drought. The people of Israel had these sin cycles. I don't know if you know what a, what a sin cycle is, but they would sin against God. They would get far away from God. They would turn their backs on God. And then afterwards, they would begin to cry and plead and beg. And God would bring a judge, a deliverer. Right? Then God would, they would do the same thing, sin cycle throughout the life of Israel. You see that they go through the same stuff over and over. And, and by the way, it's still going on. I know you can say, oh man, Israel, how could you do that? But we do the same thing in our lives. I wish I can tell you our lives are a bunch of rooftops. Our lives are lived in the peaks, but our lives also have valleys. Now I'm not excusing sin in your life. I'm simply telling you that in our life, we have struggles in our life. We have moments where we feel like, man, I'm on it, God. Like, I'm right here, you and I, forever, BFFs, <laughs> right? And then later, you're like, I can't do this no more. I don't want to follow you anymore. God, are you even real, right? And we have these moments, and God has to do something and show you something and reveal himself. And I love a God who's so merciful. And this is one of those moments of mercy towards God. The people of Israel had been so wicked. They had worshipped other gods, turned their backs on him. And so this prophet was sent to them. His name was Elijah. By the way, I named my child after this guy because he was so awesome. Speaking of which, we're going to have another child, Eoni and I. Eoni is pregnant. And so, <laughs> I just thought I'd slip it in the middle of my sermon. <laughs> so that is pretty amazing news for me. And uh just can't keep her away, man. What can I say? <laughs> we're really, really excited. Uh, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. 
Uh, the sooner we know, we'll just send a mass text message or something. Let you guys know who it is. I think Elijah's going to do a, a little mini reveal or something. Um, but anyway, we anybody thinks it's going to be a girl, raise your hand. All right. Team girl, team boy. What? The heck? what? I do? What? The? Are you serious? Okay, most of you guys, the rest of you guys probably don't even know us. But we have two boys already, and a third boy would be awesome. would be incredible. But I heard having little girls is just... Beautiful. But anyway, I don't even know why I said that in the middle of the sermon. I just had to throw it in there so that I don't forget. And um, yeah, so Ewani, by the way, she's already like three months pregnant. So we kept it on the down low because we wanted to do that. But uh, three months, is that cool? All right. So if you guys see my wife's belly, don't be like, is she pregnant or is she just, she's pregnant. Three months. Thank you very much. All right, cool. Yeah, give God a round of applause for something. All right, cool. It is an exciting thing. CFF is going to grow no matter what. <laughs> this church is going to multiply. But uh, this is the context of a place where there was drought for three years. This prophet Elijah. Oh, yeah, that's why I said it. Because I have a son named Elijah and then another one's on the way. Okay, cool, cool. So Elijah came. And this, this is a hard-nosed prophet. In football, they used to have this term back in the day, hard-nosed football, right? This, this flint face. This person who's afraid of nothing and afraid of no one. Well, this guy, Elijah, was the kind of prophet. He was actually known as a prophet of fire. How would you like to be known like that? Prophet of fire, right? Oh, that, that's a disciple of fire right there. Woo, you know something's good with that guy, right? Well, this guy came to the king, King Ahab, and he told him, hey, king, because of the wickedness of the land and because of your bad leadership, because of what you're doing for three years, or as long as I say, actually, he said, there'll be no rain. Uh, how bad to the bone is that? He said, because of your wickedness, there'll be no water on this land. It will not rain. Now, some of you guys are like, so what? In California, there's no rain anyway. In this land where agriculture is their way of life, in a land where they don't have the piping systems that we do, in a land where they don't have the reserves and the, the miles and miles and miles of travel of water from one place to another. Listen, this is a place that lives off of that. Their cattle, everything around them, their health depends on that. Three years had passed. Three years had passed. And still, they wouldn't worship God. They would worship their own gods. They still were so stubborn. I wonder and I ask myself, why in the world do years have to go by before we turn back to God? I know you don't know anybody like that or no one sits in your seat like that. That takes too long to come back to Jesus. That takes too long. Like too many bad things sometimes have to happen for us to realize that God is God. And I want to tell you in the same words of Elijah... He said to them, as they were delaying too long, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said, Nothing. Nothing. They wouldn't choose. You know why people don't choose to follow God? I think sometimes Christians think that the battle is between Satan and God. And that's just too easy to choose. You're not going to choose Satan unless you're some just hurt person. The battle is not between Satan and God. The battle is between the world and heaven. The battle for your territory, your land, your heart is between the world, which is so appealing, so beautiful. The world has so many shinies and God, which is all light. See, we don't struggle like people think we struggle. Meaning, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, our battle, our struggle is against the powers of darkness. Did you know something? That there's a fight going on right now for your heart. 
There's a battle in the spiritual realm. Some of you guys are not listening to what I'm telling you. Otherwise, you would say, praise God for God who fights my battles. There's a fight that you don't even see. I don't want to sound like a weirdo, like a freak that sees demons everywhere. What I am telling you is that the spiritual world is more real than the air that you and I breathe. And there's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your family and your generations. See, Satan hates you so much because you look like your dad. You remind him of him. The Bible says that you were made to the likeness and to the image of your creator. And if Satan cannot defeat God and if he cannot tempt God, if he cannot hurt God, he's going to try to hurt his kids. And so the reason I say this to you is because these people were in that battle for three years and they were in the middle of the battle. How many of you guys know that in the middle of the battle is the worst place to be? It is the worst place to be. If you're in a fight, get out of the middle. Hmm. Am I making sense? If there's something going on, get out of the middle. Well, these people were one foot here, one foot here, and they wouldn't decide. I want to ask you, have you decided whom you will serve? I didn't say who you're going to like. I didn't say who you're going to agree with. Whom you're going to serve. He said, if God is God, then serve God. But if Baal is God, Baal, meaning many, many different gods they had, then serve them. I believe with all my heart that for so long the church has been so passive about the way we present Jesus that it makes it seem like God doesn't mind being cheated on. It's almost like, like God is okay with you having him on Sundays and everything else all the time. If I was to tell Eoni, Eoni, I want to marry you for 365 days. No, 364 days out of the year. I just want one or two on the leap years, you know. I just want one day for my old self. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not much. I love you with all my heart. It ain't even like, it's just going to be physical. It's not going to be emotional. How many guys know my Argentinian wife would have my Mexican behind really quick? She wouldn't marry me. She would say, you're not committed. Why would I want a relationship with somebody that doesn't want to do this right. Guys, please, if a girl would tell you, hey, I want to marry you. I just don't want to let go of my guy best friend ever because I met him first. <laughs> don't elbow people. I'm not saying don't elbow people. You're supposed to be the best friend, right? You better earn that spot, of course, but you're supposed to be that best friend. In my life, at least I know this, my God, my King, He's a jealous God. He's a zealous God. That is not jealousy. is not a bad thing. Have you ever felt someone love you to the point where they say, I just don't want to share you. That's God. He says, I love you so much. I've sacrificed too much for you. I paid a greater price. As a matter of fact, I made you. You're mine. And I am yours. Let's not share this with the world or with the enemy. And this is God telling the people, I love you so much. Why are you doing this? Three years. They wouldn't answer. Three years. You see, your silence says something. When you refuse to speak, it's called the fifth in our country. You plead the fifth in court, right? You, you say no, but you know what? Silence sometimes speaks of your guilt. Jose today had some marker in his face, in his forehead. I said, Jose, who did it? Mm -hmm. Who put marker in your face? He's three years old, four years old. He's like, no one. That's <laughs> it. Hmm. Listen, you have to choose at some point. If I pray it's tonight, who you're actually going to serve. Serve. Not believe in, because the demons believe in God, yet they tremble when they hear his name. I'm not talking about demonic faith level. Like that's the level of demons. I'm talking about another level, disciple level. Where you don't just believe in God, but you believe him, his promises, his truths, his heart for your life. His heart for your life. 
Let me fast forward in the story. Otherwise, I'm going to park here all night. It says here that three years after, three years after, there was this battle, this, this incredible battle where these prophets were challenging Elijah. And Elijah was challenging them. I said, whoever is a real God is going to come down upon the altar and is going to burn the altar. It's going to consume our sacrifice. 450 prophets, demonic people. Just because there's kids here, I don't want to get too descriptive. But if you were there when I was reading it, you know how crazy this story is. These guys were cutting themselves. They were like, ah, chanting weird stuff. Looking like, like if it was like Coachella. <laughs> it's like the burning man. These guys were doing insane stuff over there. And Elijah was just chilling. For hours they were going from the morning to the night. Doing all kinds of weird rituals. Lighting stuff up. Trying to do all kinds of different dances. Nothing would happen. They were just there trying to make their idols alive. Idols that they themselves created. Don't speak, don't talk, don't listen. These guys had nothing going on. As a matter of fact, Elijah, I love his sense of humor. He's like, hey guys, you should go a little louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Literally what the word of God says. Maybe he's in the restroom. Maybe he's taking a nap. Why don't you guys speak a little louder? I love that part of the Bible because this, this Elijah who's so hard-nosed, he's so confident. He's taunting them. Christians can do that too. When I played ball, I certainly did. <laughs> especially if I knew I was going to win, right? Listen, I'm going to ask you this. Do you have the confidence in your life to say, hey, you could do whatever you want, world, but I know who's going to win this battle. You could do whatever you want, but I know what my God can do. He could send fire from heaven right here, right now. And so he did. Elijah, at the end of this story, prays a simple prayer, a little prayer that you can pray in literally 15 seconds. <laughs> fire descends from heaven. Consumes the altar after they took 12 buckets of water because of Elijah said, hey, put some water on. I just want to make sure you don't think this is some kind of fluke. Then I think consumed everything, even the rocks got consumed. Now, this was enough to tell the king that God was God. And so then they eventually ended up killing all the prophets of Baal. Not them. Elijah ended up tearing all the prophets of Baal apart. Now, I don't want to get too descriptive on this. I just want to take you now to the second part. What happens then to the people? Their hearts turn back to God. They begin to worship God. And we come to the moment where the rain is supposed to come back. So Elijah is there talking to King Ahab. Now we're going to fast forward. I told you the whole story. And now it goes 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 21. Elijah went before the people. Oh no, no. Elijah, ah, where am I? Okay, yeah. 1 Kings 18, 41 through 42. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up or get up, eat and drink. For there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab. Looked around, there was nothing. That's not what the Bible says, but there really was nothing there. He said, get up, there's the sound of rain. And I think Ahab went like, all I hear is a train. <laughs> that was pretty perfect. <laughs> there's the sound of rain. And he heard nothing. Ahab must have looked around like, this guy's going nuts. I know he's a prophet of God, but he hears God. He's hearing, he's hearing stuff. But Ahab didn't do that. See, Ahab had, Ahab had enough evidence from the power of God to go and do this. It says, and so he said, go and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab got up, ate, and drank. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. This is the picture. He tells the king to go and eat. Don't even worry about it. Go have a ball. Go celebrate because the rain is coming. Elijah then, as soon as he leaves, he's like, oh God. He gets on his knees, puts his face between it, and begins to pray, let the rain come. Let the rain come. He begins to pray and pray and pray. 
This may very well be, for me at least, one of the greatest examples of how a man and a woman should pray. How we have to really believe God for stuff. Sometimes you pray and you believe that God is going to do something. But you don't really pray like Elijah prays, so you don't see the answers that Elijah sees. I've seen it with my own eyes. My God has done incredible things, miracles, signs, and wonders. Can I say he's always on it? Not the way I've always wanted, but he always, always comes through. Always, always, always. Someone one day asked me in a cell group what I was saying, something similar. He said, well, what about your father's death? You think somebody, this guy was a pretty bold person. I should have slapped him. <laughs> I said, I don't know, but about your death. I'm just kidding. But no, we were there and I said something to him. I said, you know what, something? My father had greater promises. As I know for sure, my grandma said that her children, his children will serve the Lord. Let me tell you something. My brother, whose kids are here tonight, he's preaching somewhere. My sister serves the Lord. Her husband serves the Lord. His wife serves the Lord. My wife serves the Lord. I serve the Lord. And my children will serve the Lord. My father's promises have certainly come to pass. For some people, death is the worst thing that can happen to them because their eternity is hell. But when you're eternity and you understand that all of us are eternal here, it's just a matter of where you're going to spend it. That your promises don't stop at the point of a closing of a casket. Your promises continue unto the next generation and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. It's a completely exciting and different point of view, isn't it? You don't live for the here than the YOLO. You live for much more than just you. It's a bigger life than you could ever imagine. Now listen, this is Elijah and this is them. He casts himself on the ground, face in between his knees and he's praying and he's praying and Elijah's believing. I want to teach you tonight how to pray like Elijah so we can see the answers of God like Elijah had them. Are you guys ready? Yeah. I'm not going to take too much longer. Honestly, I want some tacos already. I'm hungry. I want to ask you this. Do you know how to pray like Elijah? Because Elijah prayed a specific way and he did things in a specific way. The first thing that Elijah does is he knew that it was going to happen. He told the king, go celebrate because it's a done deal. The chickens have hatched. Stick a fork in it. It's cooked. It's done. Listen, I'm telling you, he's told the king, it's done deal. Now, he's not just telling some politician. He's telling a king who can take his head off. He said, go handle it, man. Enjoy. Party like it's 1999 because it's happening. The rain is coming. After three years, no rain. It's coming. Not only that, he had this eager expectation. He was looking around, waiting to see. I remember when I learned how to witness to people about Jesus. In the beginning, I used to talk to people about Jesus, not expecting anything to happen. I'd be like, uh, do, you, uh, do you have any time? Like at all? People would have never, never people had time to hear their life transforming message. People had time for everything else, just not for an, a person that didn't even know what he had to offer. You know, I learned something. That when you... Believe God for the transformation of someone. You're not timid about it. You can certainly tell them your life will change because my God is a God of transformation. I see, I see God. Come on, you got to shut. Why not? I know what God can do in your life. Yesterday I had meeting after meeting with different people and every single one of them, every one of these phone calls, I believe God in person. Every one of these people, I believe God will transform their lives. Otherwise, why would I do it? What would I take time away from my kids if I didn't believe that the investment into their future is true? Why? Only a fool would do that. 
Let me ask you something. When you pray, do you do what Elijah does? Hey, go celebrate because it's happening. The Bible says that when you pray, you have to pray with thanksgiving in your heart as though it had already happened. Faith is the conviction of things not yet seen. The, the, what is it? What? The trust. What you do not yet have. La confianza de lo que se espera. The trust of what you're hoping for. Can you have that kind of joy? Listen, when I tell my kids, hey, we're going to Disneyland. My kids don't get happy when we go. My kids get happy when? Like right away. Why? Why? Because they believe dad. Because dad's come through before. Because God is my God and my dad. And if my dad promises me something, I'm going to get happy. But some Christians are so sad. Someone asked us at church, I know you guys are quiet right now because you're adapting to the environment. But our church, when people walk in, they're like, why are they so loud? And I always say the same thing because the winning team is usually the louder team. I don't know. Last time I checked, my God is not a loser. Every single time that God gives you a promise or a word in the Bible or you're singing and God speaks something to you. Someone said, Pastor, how do you hear God's voice? In so many different ways. In so many different ways. Sometimes it's in a whisper. You're there and you just get this confidence, this sense of understanding that you didn't understand before, but now you get it. Like an aha moment. Like, mm, mm, mm. yeah, you, you're right, you're right. <laughs> There's another way where God speaks to you through his word. You see something. Oh, oh, that was it. That was, that's for me. That's for me. Right? That's for me. I know there are people come and read it. Yeah, for God so loved the world that I've already read it. It's underneath the in and out cups. They're like, no, 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 you don't get it. For God so loved the world. And they're like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. You're like, you don't get it. It's not, you. it's not for you. It's not for you. You're not going to get it because it's not for you. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. When God speaks to you through his word, it's your word. It's for you. It's rema. It becomes alive. And you cannot let him go. You got to be a pit bull with the word of God. You see, this man had the confidence to tell the king and the rest of the people, hey, go have, go, 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 go drink your water. Go drink your reserves. You're not going to need him anymore. It's about to rain. It's about to happen. Not only that, he tells his servant, hey, it's time to do something about this. When you pray, guys, pray and move. Say with me, pray and move. Pray and move. If I was to ask you that when you pray, pray out loud. Why? That's embarrassing. Pray out loud when you pray. Why? Because your body engages. You're not a prisoner in your body of your faith. Am I making sense? Like you engage. If I believe God's going to prosper my business, then I don't just sit and wait for prosperity. I believe God is fighting my battles, but I gear up. Why do I tell you this? Because my God is always, always moving through the physical. Now my God can move in the supernatural and he does time after time. And he's done it so many times. But God moves through people. God moves through moments. You have to learn tonight that if God told Elijah, it's going to rain. Elijah told his servant, hey, it's time to move. He said, go up the mountain and go see and tell me when you see the signs of rain. This guy went up to Mount Carmel. I did some research. Mount Carmel is 1,000, uh, let me see, 1,700 feet of elevation. No, 1,171 feet of elevation. Now, I looked at Garcia Trail where I used to train back in the day when I was playing. At, at Garcia, we used to like throw up 
after we ran up Garcia. It's only a mile up, but we would run up this trail and we would have to run because boys compete and boys were chasing. And so we were running, running. And by the time we get up, <gasps> we're like hissing and gagging. And then we'd have to run back down and our legs were jelly. We were tripping all over the place. One time we were crying. We're going to Garcia coach. Oh man. Oh. We wished we had the option to not wear our PE shorts that day. You see, this guy went up the mountain and saw nothing. And he tells the prophet, prophet, I don't see anything. Elijah looks up, he's on his knees and he looks up and says, we'll go up again. So he runs up again the mountain, a mile up, a mile down. Garcia Trail is not as long as this one is. So this is more than a mile. Listen, listen. So you go one mile up, one mile down, that's two miles. Second time, one mile up, one, that's four miles. Third time around, hey, prophet, hey, hey. Prophet's still praying, thank you God so much for the rain. Thank you for the abundance, Lord. Thank you for the provision. You are so good. Thank you because you've already answered my prayers. This guy comes back a third time, no sign of rain. By the fourth time, these are eight miles, half of those uphill. His legs must have been wobbly. He must have been sweaty and tired. He's telling his guy, he's like, hey, pastor. Hey, leader. Hey, I can't do this, man. This is, it's your word, not my word. He said, listen, again, again. The Bible says that he went up seven times, seven times. That is 14 miles of running, 14 miles of faith. This guy didn't stop at the sixth or at the fifth or at the third or at the fourth or at the seventh time. He went up and finally when he goes up a seventh time, after three years of no rain, mind I do. It wasn't like it was raining season. There was no rain for three years. I wonder if this disciple at some point thought, this is ridiculous. Why? Why don't you go and do it? Tell me to believe God. I wonder if this disciple had the same attitude that some of you have sometimes with God. God, how many times do I need to ask you? How much longer? I'm single. Am I going to die single? I'm already 16. Come on, God. God's saying, come on now. You're on your first go. Some of you guys, a relationship didn't go right. And you're whining, complaining to God, saying stuff like, I'm going to be like the apostle Paul. And God's like, no, you're not. Your kids will serve me. Your grandchildren will serve me. Stop whining. Get up again. Go up the mountain again. Go find a sign of rain. Maybe, just maybe, there's a season of drought in your life, financially speaking. And you're saying, God, listen to the news. Look what the news are saying. And I wonder if the disciple didn't look around at the dry land and just got discouraged by looking and tuning in to the same channel every single day for the past three years. And I wonder if that pandemic... It's not the same concept, the same drought in people's lives. Maybe for you, it's financial. Maybe for you, it's faith. You're so dry. You try to connect with God and maybe you see people like Elijah. Man, how are you still alive spiritually speaking? I'm dry. I'm in dry. I'm like a desert, dry. I try to pray and I hear nothing. I try to sing and all I hear is my ugly voice. How? And I would just tell you, because you're still in the first go. You're in the third time, fourth time. When you have 14 mile of faith. When you have the kind of faith that says, I'll go up again as many times as you need to. I think this disciple had something beautiful because he had been discipled right. And he said, as many times as it takes, Elijah. Even if I drop and I have to roll down the hill and roll up the hill, I will go back up. 
This guy went up and he comes back and tells him some beautiful news. He tells him this. There's a sound of a heavy rain. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you this verse, but I think it's important. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Anxiety, it's a sign of unbelief. When you're anxious, it tells God, I just don't know if the rain is coming. When you feel stressed out, some people say it's a human reaction. I would say yes, and it's also humanistic. Where deity is God, I mean, where deity is human, not God. Where your concept of greatest power is your strength and people. And the Bible says, cursed is the man who believes in the man. You do know something. It's not people that will come through. People will let you down. Kids, if you're here, I'm sorry to tell you. I hate to sound like that. But God will never let you down. My God will never let you down. Jesus will always be there with you. Though your mother and father abandon you, God will never, ever abandon you. That I know for sure. And so when the, the servant comes and says, Hey, Elijah. Hey, leader. I see a tiny cloud like the size of a hand. That's all he saw, a little fist. And that is all this man needed. He said, run, run. That's the rain coming. All he needed was a tiny little speck on the clouds. And I think that's what we need to do, guys. I'll close, I promise, but this is so simple. When you pray, you persevere. You get your body engaged. You get people around you to pray with you. You get somebody who has faith to connect with you and believe with you. You don't stay alone. You get people with you that will walk the journey of faith with you. Amen. The last thing is simple. Look for the signs. Just look for the signs. I know people that are very negative. And one of the hardest things to do is to work with negative people. Or to help negative. You ever met negative people? Negative Nancys? No? Everything's bad. The glass is always half empty. I'm like, well, you got a glass. And there's stuff in it. Drink it. This, I know for sure. When you start looking for the wrong signs, you're probably going to find them. When you start looking for the signs of God, they are everywhere. Everywhere. I see my God working in so much. In so many. You know, when I see God move, I move. That's why we're opening up on November. First week in, in two weeks. I see God doing something. I'm so excited. Janet, where are you, Janet? We were texting yesterday. Do you feel it? I know what God is doing. I know it's happening. It's more real than the air that I breathe. It's happening. It's revival time. There's never been a better time to follow God than now. There's never been a better time. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. God is about to do something that you've been praying for for a very long time. I want to catch on fire. I don't know about you. The world may throw buckets of water. I want to catch on fire. Consume. You provide the fire, I'll provide the sacrifice. God, let's do this.
I believe right now is a beautiful moment. Life is made up of moments and you can miss them. I hate to sound like a Hallmark card, but it is the truth. It is the truth. God is giving you a window of heaven. It's open now. There's faith. It's happening right now. God has promises for you. You have to grab a hold of them and say, God, I believe you, not the circumstance. I believe you, not my past. I believe you, not my feelings. I believe you, not the clouds. I believe you. I believe you. Come on. I believe you, not the news. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Close your eyes with me. We believe in God. Won't you stand up? As a matter of fact, let's put our body into action. I'm not going to ask you to do aerobics or nothing. Just close your eyes for a second. I want to pray over you. If there's somebody here that has not, that has quit perhaps on the second or the third, or you feel like you're about to tap out, perhaps this is you. You know how to pray, but you don't know how to remain. You don't know how to persevere. My mother-in-law used to have a sticker on the back of her car, this little, little station wagon looking car thing. And I remember the little sticker that said, push. And underneath with little letters, it says, pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. People of prayer, the people of God, believe your dad in heaven. He is good. He is true. He comes through. God is so good. I don't know about you, but I have promises, thousands of them, and they're right here in the scripture. I want to believe every one of them and I will walk according to them. With your eyes closed, the first promise for you is of eternal life. The first promise is that he will forgive you no matter what you've done. Though your sins may be red as crimson, though your sins may look red as scarlet, God can wipe them clean, white as snow. God can forgive you right now of your past and give you the strength and the power to change your present in order to live his future. God says, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done and I don't care what's been done to you. I love you and I want to be with you. This is the time he says to you, my arms are nailed wide open. My promise of eternal life is yours. A life in abundance is yours. Dear God, I thank you so much. If there's somebody here that wants to welcome a life with you and wants to serve you, not just pretend to have a religion. I ask you that you listen to their voice. Would you just simply tell them, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my past. I give you my dreams. I give you my expectations. God, I give you me. I ask you right now to change me, to make me the person that you created me to be. Would you forgive all my sins? I know you can and I know you did. I ask you, Jesus, please give me your life, eternal life. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to love you for the rest of my life. I want to walk with you. If you pray this prayer, I want to tell you, God loves you so much. People will tell you, you can't change. People will tell you, I know who you are. But you're going to be able to tell them, I don't know who you're talking about. Because I was born again this Friday night. The Bible says you're a new creation, a new creature in Him. And that is a fact. The rest of you, God, I pray right now for a relentless prayer life. I pray, God, that people learn to persevere in the secret place. That they would find their war rooms. God, in those places, those moments, that you will find them there. Your word says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Your promises are real. And I ask you right now, if anyone draws near to you tonight, tomorrow, the next day, in the time of need and in the time of gladness, that you would just be right there with them. 
God, as you've been with me, my mother and my family, as you've been with my wife, my children and this church, would you walk with every person here as well? Provide in every single way. Let joy be the song that they move to, Lord. Let the, the heart change, God. I thank you, Jesus, for all you've done so far. We continue to believe. If we have to go up that hill seven times, God, we'll go up. As long as it takes, we'll trust you, we'll believe you, and we'll serve you all the days of our life. CFF, God loves you. We love you. We will serve you forever, God. The left, the, the thousand fall to our left and 10,000 to our right, we will remain standing. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Give God a huge round of applause. Huge, huge, huge. Come on now.